Hello and welcome, everybody. It's David, co-founder of Ag Economic Insights, joining you for the AEI Premium Weekly episode where we spend some time going behind the curtain, talking about the things that we're thinking about, the articles that we've written, kind of that behind-the-scenes look. It's October the 14th when we're recording this. We had the WASDE report on October the 12th, and we're going to get kicked off by talking through that and also the yield contest in a recent article. Apologize if you're watching the video. We're having some video issues over here with my computer. We'll get that resolved shortly, but we'll focus on the screen so you won't have to look at the blank screen too long. So first thing I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about the latest WASD reports. Overall, the tight situation got even tighter. For those of you following the yield contest, we actually saw those yields going down for both crops. So Corn yields went from 172.5 to 171.9. We also had that stocks report. We actually saw tighter beginning stocks. So when we take that together, we saw uh, total supply trimmed about 170 million bushels. Not a huge adjustment here. We actually saw corn imports double, going from 25 million bushels of imports to 50 million. Again, it's a small number. And why does this happen? Well, it happens because some parts of the country, like the Carolinas, the East Coast, it's really hard to get grain trucked or railed to that part of the country, especially when prices are high. So we might be seeing more of this move in by barge from maybe South America. There's always this little bit of this. We just think there might be a little bit more given the tight stocks and the high prices. One of the things to really keep an eye on as we look at this is a little bit less feed and residual, a little bit less in the ethanol side, and a little bit less on the export side. In general, total usage contracted by about 125,000 bushels. So the t- stock situation tightened, but what we see here is usage also got trimmed, which makes measurements like the stocks use a little bit tricky to think through. So stocks use in October 8.3%, going back to our lows that we saw in 2020, 2021 marketing year, 8.3%. We also see you know, a continuing tightening. We saw stocks use somewhere near above the 10% mark back in July. What I want to point out here, it's a little bit interesting to think about. The stocks to use situation was also 8.3% in 2020, 2021 marketing year. We had 1.2 billion bushels of ending stocks. Today, we have 1.1 bushels of ending stocks. <laughs> Why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, because the numerator is the top number. The stocks number is smaller by about, I guess it's about 60 million bushels. So it's tighter on a per bushel on a bushel basis. But what's also happened is the bottom number, the total usage has fallen. So when we see tight stocks, we also typically see the usage slip. And that's what we've been seeing here. When we shift to soybeans, we see, again, yield trimmed a little bit, almost seven-tenths of a bushel. We also saw beginning stocks increase, the opposite of corn. So that gets us into a situation where the ending stocks are unchanged at 200 million bushels. So we actually had less bushels produced than what we initially thought, more beginning stocks, and total use got trimmed a little bit. So the net is ending stocks are unchanged. Stock to use remain at 4.5%. For context, we were above 6% in May and June. Of course, yield coming down, acreage coming down. So a tight stock situation across the board here for the 2022 market year. We anticipate this will be a big part of the story as we move into 2023. Now, I want to talk about an article that we wrote this week and talking about wheat prices, 
for maybe a lot of listeners in the Corn Belt, they're not going to be thinking about planting wheat, but it does impact the wheat economics or the wheat economics impacts the corn and soybean situation as the acreage decision for winter wheat is getting made right now. That's the first decision here for the acreage debate in 2023 that's going to be setting up. As we mentioned a couple weeks ago, wheat and cotton acres have been increasing over the last few years. That's been taking some of the expansionary pressure on corn and soybeans off, maybe limiting some of the expansion on corn and soybeans. So what's wheat prices been doing? So wheat prices with the response from the Ukraine war, the Russian sanctions, we saw farm level wheat prices hit all time high of $10.50 a bushel in the spring of 2022. They've came off their highs, but overall historically very, very strong. I think about 16 times on the monthly basis, about 6% of occasions, we've had farm level prices above $8 a bushel since 2000. Half of those occurrences have been in the last six or seven months. And so we have seen really high historic wheat prices. Of course, if you were to adjust those almost $10 prices that we saw back in 2008, the last big run-up in wheat prices, be a much different term, different situation in inflation-adjusted terms. If we jump down to the crop insurance situation, an all-time high for wheat, winter wheat crop insurance base, but it is just barely higher than prices we saw for the 2009 planting season, the 2012 planting season, and the 2013 planting season. So all of this kind of looks at this alternative headline scenario where wheat prices have reached all-time highs at different points in 2022, but it hasn't been sort of this record-breaking, this record-shattering new level like we saw with anhydrous ammonia. We saw something very similar with gasoline prices, right? We saw gasoline prices hit nominal terms that were all-time high, but they weren't all that much higher, especially when you looked at inflation adjusted. One of the last pieces here I want to mention is relative winter wheat prices. You take winter wheat prices divided by corn, maybe this is a, a factor that producers in the Western Great Plains are thinking about. You know, sure I have record high prices, but what's that relative to corn or maybe your livestock feeder you know, have high corn prices is maybe wheat and an attractive alternative. The point here that's worth catching on to is when we had nearly $10 wheat in 08, it was a very, very high winter wheat price ratio. What we have today is a price ratio that's been slightly above average or in recent months below average. And that's really important to keep in mind. I'll give you a little more context. The last time we had nearly $10 wheat was in March of 2008. The same month, corn prices were just $4.70 a bushel. That price ratio was you know, above two. Here in May 2022, when winter wheat hit 10.50 a bushel, corn prices were considerably higher. 726 that's compared to 470 so considerably higher much different corn price situation in general the last two months winter wheat prices have been again low relative to corn prices so we could see that winter wheat planting maybe not being as strong as you might have initially thought if you just looked at the record high prices we might actually see winter wheat being coming up as a conversation point for feed because of this price relationship. Now, it's pretty a short blip. We'll need to see this play out for a little bit longer before producers start switching their rations or really making big adjustments, but keep that in mind. Of course, the Ag Forecast Network, the 2022 yield contest, we have 12 of the 16 questions resolved. There are four questions remain. There's two long burn questions, the probability of yields for corn and soybeans being above trend normal. 
corn's about 10 bushel out of the money at the moment. The soybeans are a little bit closer. And of course, the probability of those November WASDE estimates for corn and soybeans being above the October estimate. I always find that really hard to think about because of how do we move from month to month? I always find those really difficult to think through. Update your forecast. Get in there for the last few questions of this contest. This fun contest season. Thanks for everyone who's participating. We're going to come right down to the wire and we'll tally up who those final winners are. Of course, as always, if you have any ideas for content or ways that we can improve we're presenting, feel free to reach out. You can reach us at askus.com or askus at AEI.com. Come. I'm going to wrap this up by shifting gears just a little bit and promoting the podcast AEI.ag presents. We launched season three. Many of you are familiar with season one, Escaping 1980. Another group of you are also familiar with season two, Corn Saves America. The third season, Nothing Borrowed, Nothing Gained, is a deep dive into what's going on in the farm financial system, the farm credit markets, the markets that we get debt. One way I've framed this up and I've explained it to people is a lot of folks are concerned about interest rates and the implication for the farm level. And rather than piling on with speculation about where that might be and how that future might be resolved, we step back and say, let's understand how a farm loan works. What exactly does the money come from? How does a local bank work? How does a farm credit system work? What is farmer Mac? Why were these things put together and how do they function? Why do ag retailers lend money or provide capital financing for their inputs that they provide? What does it mean to have innovation in financial markets? We have a very exciting lineup of experts from lenders who sit across the desks from producers to policymakers who sat at the table at the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee meetings. And so we're going to do a really fun season, probably 10 to 12 episodes. Uh, I say 10 to 12 because I haven't seen the latest estimate, but there's going to be a limited run of episodes to really help folks uh, understand this. Why are we doing this season? Because we want to help individuals understand how exactly credit moves through the farm markets, how credit gets to the farm, and how we need to think about that, especially if we're concerned about the future of interest rates, the future of credit availability, and the future of the macro economy. So I encourage you to look at that. Episode one is available now. Dr. Mike Bolge, he's a professor emeritus at Purdue University. He walks through how some of our farm record systems, specifically the cash-based income statements, but also the market-based balance sheets, can not be as reliable of a indicator for farm performance, especially when the farm economy is good. They have a tendency to understate conditions, but when things are poor, they have a tendency to send a different signal. So I encourage you to check that out, share that with your friends and colleagues and those who you work with in the ag sector. That's all we have for this week. Until next time, stay curious. 